0: Want to learn how to leverage your marketing to get clients on repeat? Charge a fee that leaves you with money in your pocket even after you've finished paying your bills? And finally, stop working with the clients that you've long outgrown? Liberated Business is a transformational program that combines group and one-on-one work so you get the best results possible. This differs from every other program out there because it helps you make money while supporting your joy and liberation throughout your entrepreneurial journey. Liberated Business starts this June and runs through November, and enrollment is open now. Visit thebadtherapist.coach slash liberatedbusiness to get all of the details and sign up. DM me on Instagram at thebadtherapist with any questions or to learn more. I cannot wait to get started with you. I'll tell you what I used to say. I'm located in San Francisco. My fee is 250 My next available appointment is Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. And Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Which of those work for you? That's it. You just leave it at that. And what happens is oftentimes people will say, oh, I'll just take that appointment because they heard the fee and they understood it, but you didn't present it in this kind of like, my fee is 250 Does that work for you? Are you okay with that? It's like we're priming the client so often when we say our fee to act like it's a weird thing. Hey there, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show, the podcast for current and aspiring private practice therapists who want to earn more money, work less, and have a way bigger impact. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist former goody-goody therapist turned six-figure private practice owner and therapist business coach. I'm here to help you learn everything you need to know about private practice and expanding beyond the one-to-one model so you can earn more money and increase your impact as a therapist without burning out or hustling. Using my proven liberated business method, therapists at all stages of business have been able to grow their income while becoming even better therapists. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. It's time for you to get your time back and enjoy being a therapist again. You ready? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist. Today we're talking about how to get rid of those free intake or consultation calls, the ones that end up being way too long most of the time and often don't result in you getting clients, and instead i'm going to show you how to swap those out for short highly effective screening calls. Today is going to be like very nitty gritty and value packed. You're definitely going to want to save this episode and come back to it again and again. So let's get started. First of all, let's cover the problem with how most of us are doing intake or consultation calls. They're generally really unwieldy. They take a lot of time. So many of us <laughs> have on our websites uh, well, you know, free 15-minute or 20-minute consultation call. Raise your hand if you have been on a consultation call that's supposed to be 15 minutes, but it's 40. Like it's probably happened to all of us. You struggle with holding those boundaries with clients, sometimes they end up oversharing, sometimes you end up like learning information or feeling like you're having to do therapy because the client is sharing some really heavy material and you're finding that that is not the conversation you intended to be having, but now you're having it. So you're trying to figure out what to do. It's not a great experience for the client because they're not, they have yet to commit to therapy with you. They are oftentimes ending up dysregulated. You're ending up getting exhausted. The person leaves a call without booking a session with you you sometimes, you don't know where you went wrong. You feel like, I, I don't know. I, apparently everybody is offering these consultation calls. I did the consultation call and it didn't work. I still don't have a client and I don't know what happened on that call. So it's not a great strategy, but it is the norm in our field. And it really does need to change because it's it's simply not working. And it ends up using tons of our time and not resulting in us growing our cases really actually being able to help people in a truly meaningful way or um, get clients. So we're gonna talk about changing that. So first you need to rethink this call. You need to stop thinking about it as an intake call or even a consultation call and really start thinking of it as a screening and sales call. So again, we're stepping away from this idea of it being a free consultation or an intake call and really moving towards This call is a brief call in order to screen the client to ensure that it makes sense for them to move to the next step of evaluation, which is that first session, which is where the intake will actually happen. And it's where the two of you are going to get to know each other better, where you're going to feel each other out and decide, are we ready to make a commitment and to move forward with weekly therapy? That's where that's going to happen. In this call on the phone, this is really just a screening call. This is for you to kind of quickly determine whether or not this person is a good enough fit for your caseload. And I'm going to walk you through the steps of that call. The other really important thing about how you're going to shift how you approach this call is that you're going to actually control the flow of the conversation. Once again, in our typical (laughs) consultation or intake calls, the conversation just goes all over the place. The client doesn't really know what they're supposed to be doing. You often don't know what you're really supposed to be doing. And again, you leave the call having exchanged a lot of information, probably used a lot of energy, but you didn't really get very far. And again, oftentimes it's not resulting in clients actually converting or people actually converting into clients in your therapy practice. So we want to change that. So it's a better experience for you. It's a better experience for the client. And when you are kind of controlling the flow of the conversation, you're also sending a very strong message to your client that you know how to hold them. You know how to facilitate a process. And for a lot of us in our consultation calls, we're not doing a great job of facilitating a process. So we do want to change that. So now I'm going to take you through the steps of a screening call. So, in your communication leading up to the call, prime the client that the call will be brief or less than 10 minutes. So, in my therapy practice, what would happen is folks would go to my website and they would fill out a form. That is nine times out of 10 how people would contact me. Occasionally, I would get a phone call, but usually people would go to my website and they would fill out that form. And so, in that form, I would be asking them, you know, what's bringing you in for therapy? And so, When I wrote them back after getting that first form, I would say, hey, thank you for filling out that form. I'd be happy to speak with you before I schedule first sessions with clients. I like to just have a very brief screening call so we can make sure it makes sense to move on to that next stage of actually having a first session. So you don't need to set aside much time for this call, really only 10 minutes or less. And here are the next few times that I have available. And what I love about this approach is that, I mean, it's really easy. Well, it's it's a lot easier to find 10 minutes in my day, even if I have a pretty full caseload or I've got other things in my life going on. It's so much easier for me to find a 10 minute slot that I can offer somebody to do this call. And likewise, it's so much easier for them to find a 10 minute slot where they can do this call. And not only that, but by making it really clear in that initial first response to clients that this is going to be a brief call, I'm already starting to prime them for how the interaction is actually going to go down. That way, when we do get on the call, I will remind them again that it's going to be a brief call, but I'm already starting to set the tone. I'm already starting to demonstrate that I am a guide, essentially. And this has to do with A larger sort of concept or a way that I approached being in my therapy practice, which is it's essentially my responsibility as the therapist in this dynamic to hold the frame. It can still be client directed, it can still be client centered in the therapy, but when it comes to the aspects of our interaction that intersect with how I run my business, it's really my job to be in charge of that and facilitate that. That's not the client's job. And so I'm already setting the tone here that, like, I have been thoughtful about my business. I've been thoughtful about the onboarding experience for clients. And I'm the one who's taking responsibility for how this goes. This isn't the point in time where I'm going to necessarily collaborate on like how this call is gonna go down. I'm gonna be like pretty directive and steering the conversation. Because just my personal perspective is like, that's not that's not something I need to collaborate on at this point. Once the person's in therapy and we're in the flow of therapy, what happens during the therapy is obviously something we're co-creating and collaborating on together. When it comes to these frame sort of pieces or structures, that's really up to me to decide because it's my business. And at the end of the day, I've been thoughtful about what I want to create. And that's either going to work for some people or it's not. And that's not really up for debate because this is my business and I've decided to create it the way I want to. And if you keep on listening to me or you've listened to previous episodes, you're probably starting to get the sense that like, that's kind of how I roll, that's how I do things. So, and that's what I suggest to all of my clients and the other therapists that I work with is that you really need to be thoughtful about the business you're creating and take full responsibility for that. That's not up to your clients. It's not up to your potential clients. All right, so that's the perspective. You've primed them that this is going to be a brief call. Now, once you're on the call, Something you can say is, thank you so much for making this time to speak with me. Is now still a good time for talk? Do you still have you know, about 10 minutes or less? Nine times out of 10, they say yes. They might say, oh, you know what? Let me just walk outside real quick. I'm at my desk. I'm just going to go take this call outside. Great. No problem. So then I say, hey, I read your email or form submission or listened to your message. So I know a little bit about what's bringing you in. Is there anything else that you think would be really helpful or really important for me to know to help me know that I'm the best fit for you? And so once again, this is very, very different than how we typically do this. Typically, we're like, tell me about yourself. Or here's this like 12-point intake thing that I'm going to do with you right here, right now. And it goes way too deep, way too fast. I'm just saying to this client, is there anything that feels really important that I should know in order for me to determine whether or not it makes sense for us to take it to the next step, which is going to be that first session? And that really primes the client to be thoughtful about, well, what am I sharing? I'm getting the message from this person that I'm not intended to share my life story. I'm supposed to give this person the information that's going to help them know whether or not to take it to the next step. That's been a really, really successful question for me. That's been something I've asked clients, and it tends to be super revealing what they share. And I'm based on their answer... And not just that, but the way they answer and whether or not they can stay on track or if they become dysregulated through answering this question, it gives me a lot of information just from that about whether or not they actually would be an appropriate fit for my therapy practice. Now, this is just like a framework that I use, and it's not going to be right for every therapist or for every therapy practice. You may find that there are more questions that you need to ask in this call, and that's totally fine. I just want you to be really thoughtful about what those are. And you may experiment with trying this on and seeing, how much information can I get from this question? And if you're ever unsure, if you ever do feel like you need to ask more questions, by all means, please do. I trust you and your clinical judgment to be thoughtful about this. And of course, if you ever have any questions from like a clinical level, talk to your clinical supervisor if you're not currently licensed or talk to your consultation group or call your professional organization. I really want you to feel empowered to create the type of call that's right for you And I also want you to have a structure going in so that you can stay contained throughout the process and your client can stay contained. That's really, really important here. So the client typically shares something. It's not too long. If they're going on and on, I would interrupt them at a certain point because remember, we're really trying to contain this process and control the flow of this interaction. That's our role here. So at that point, you're going to know probably, whether or not you think you should take it to the next level. Would you like to have this person come in for an initial session? Yes or no? Based on what you've gathered so far, do you believe that that is the right level of care for them? Do you believe that you have the skill set and experience you need to serve them? Assess that. And if the answer is yes, you can say, hey, thank you so much for what you're sharing. Probably make some comments on what they just shared. And you would say something to the effect of, yeah, I, I think I could help you with this. Based on what you've shared, I think it makes sense for you to come in for that initial session, and that is where we will get to know each other a lot better and where we can make a determination about whether or not we'd like to continue and commit to weekly therapy together. I really like that language because that is what's going on. You are both going to have to decide that you want to take this further, and I think So often in these initial calls, we're kind of trying to do too much. And the reality is that without the context of actually being in that therapy session together, you are a little limited with how much you can learn. And we can rush to some conclusions based on that more unwieldy intake call that end up not really serving us or our clients in the long run. For instance, Have you ever agreed to give a client a sliding scale on that intake call only to find out information in your first session that had you known on that intake call, you would have never given them a sliding scale spot? I know I've done that so many times and it really, really sucks. And we'll talk more about like sliding scale and how to navigate questions like that. But that's just one example. There are tons. You're probably thinking of some right now. So this is This whole process that I'm teaching you is intended to prevent those things from occurring. All right. So if you feel like they're a good fit, you go ahead and say, yes, I think it would make sense for us to move on to the next step of having a first session. If you think that, no, you are not a good fit for this client, this is the moment to refer out. This isn't to say that you can't refer a client out later if you gather more information and you determine that they aren't a good fit. Of course, you can refer them out at that point. But if at this point it is clear to you that they are not a good fit, this is the moment to tell them so. This is the moment to give them someone else's name, to refer them out, and it's that simple. You can just do that. So if you've determined that you'd like to move forward with this client to an initial session, here's what you say next. And the language I'm going to share with you is something that I learned from Casey Truffolo, who is the Wealthy Therapist, and I learned this in a workshop with her years ago that camps put on, and it's just really been such a game changer. It was so effective in my practice. So I want to thank her for this language. Please go check out her work. So what you say next is, would you like to learn a bit about my practice? And the person says, yes, they're almost always totally thrilled. They're like, thank you. Yeah, I would love to learn about your practice. What happens is when most therapists get this question, tell me about your practice, we kind of stumble through something filled with jargon that we don't even really know what we're saying. This helps avoid this. You're actually not going to start describing your theoretical orientation. Instead, you're going to say three things. Where you're located, which is sometimes a physical address, but in this case, you might just say, I meet with clients virtually using Zoom. That's good enough. You state your fee. And you say one number and you don't follow it up with, and I have a sliding scale, and, 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 or you don't have to pay me that, or you can just barter with me and chicken eggs. Like, don't say that. Just say your fee and leave it alone. And then you follow up with your two next available appointments, not like just like the next two times that are available. And then you ask them, which appointment time would you like? The key to this setup, like, why those three things are so effective. And I have a lot of practice with using this because this was the format that I used in my screening calls in my practice the whole time I was running it. And I just I saw it again and again and again be super effective. So the thing that works about this is you're basically taking this information that can feel kind of loaded, your fee. For a lot of us that can feel really uncomfortable. We tend to equivocate. We tend to give a lot of caveats. But you're sandwiching it between two pretty neutral pieces of information and you're just kind of flowing through it. And the goal here on your end is to not make it weird. Don't make it weird. Don't say your fee and grimace while you do it. If you're at a place where you can't say your fee without grimacing, that's okay. But I want you to practice saying it out loud. Um, and this kind of helps hold it and sandwich it between neutral information. and you can even say this yourself. so you can you can try it on while you're listening to this. I'll tell you what I used to say. I'm located in San Francisco. my fee is 250. my next available appointment is Wednesday at 2:30 p.m and Thursday at 4:30 p.m. Which of those work for you? That's it. You just leave it at that. And what happens is, Oftentimes people will say, oh, just take that appointment because they heard the fee and they understood it, but you didn't present it in this kind of like, my fee is 250. Does that work for you? Are you okay with that? It's like we're priming the client so often when we say our fee to act like it's a weird thing. If we are not coming at that bit of information like it's something like some massive uh, challenge to be overcome... If we're just saying it like it is and being really straightforward about it, then if the client has some problems with it, that's all that we're dealing with. We're not dealing with our weirdness plus their weirdness. We're only dealing with their discomfort, and that can be really helpful. So, as much as you can, see if you can separate and leave your discomfort with your fee at the door. And if you need help with that, I am here to help you. I've helped so many therapists get comfortable with higher fees. But don't bring that into this conversation with the client if you can help it. Practice as much as you need to practice. Practice sales calls with your friends. Practice saying those three things in a flow over and over and over again so you can get used to saying it. It can be so helpful to do that. At this stage in this initial call, I very, very rarely worry about trying to figure out the exact right appointment time for them. I really do just tend to give them my next two appointment times. And what I'll say is, You know, I really just try to get folks in as soon as possible so we can start to move the process along and so that you can, we can see whether or not we're a good fit and if we want to continue going forward. And when we meet in person, we can have a conversation about what our ongoing appointment time will be and we can pick one for you. The caveat I will say is if you are encountering a potential client who has already given you information that they just have like an extremely rigid, limited schedule, then I would take a little extra time here to make sure that you do have an ongoing appointment time that would work for that person. Otherwise, it's not really worth their time um, to come in for that initial session if you can't accommodate them during a time that works for you. Uh, that being said, if they, if you're offering teletherapy, that can create another option. But that's that's the flow. Now, sometimes it's as simple as that. The person just says, I'll take that appointment. Great, moving forward. And you just send them your onboarding information. I had an onboarding email that I would send clients that just had all the information about where my office was located, how I accepted payment, a very extensive extensive informed consent document that I had them read before our first appointment, an intake form I had them complete before our first appointment. They would get all that via email. And actually, I will tell you how I would wrap up the call because I think this, this was actually really good. If they said yes and we're ready to move forward, I would say, great, I'm really excited to meet with you. After we get off of this call, I'm going to send you an email that has all the information you're going to need for our first session. I'm going to need you to, you know, read all of that, read all the information I send you and complete that intake form before our first session. It should be very thorough. Everything you need should be in there. But if you do think of if you have any questions or Something comes up for you between now and then you need to ask me anything, please feel free to do so. But otherwise, I'll see you on that date. Um, Is there anything else that you needed before we go today? And usually they say, no, thanks, because it's been so thorough. And you can really see by like, if you go back and listen to how I've constructed this intake call, I'm really just like supporting and guiding the client every single step in the way. And what I found over and over again by doing this process is it instills so much confidence in the client in my ability to hold them. Like I'm really setting the tone that I've got this. I've got you. I can hold you through this intake call in a way that honestly, most of other therapists don't. And they're already feeling like she's got it. She is, she's handling her business. She knows how to take care of me in this moment. I've got the sense that I can trust her to hold me in a therapy session. And so it instills this confidence and it sets a really nice tone for the work. Okay, so that's like the easy peasy version. It doesn't always happen that way. People have objections, they have concerns. So I'm going to walk you through some of the common ones and how I tend to respond to those in my screening calls that I do with clients. So the first and most obvious one, the one that we are probably most used to hearing, that we maybe are even the most afraid of hearing, is money. So it's like, I don't, I can't afford that. Do you have a sliding scale? And what I would say is I don't offer sliding scale. You are still totally welcome to come in for that initial session and then decide if you would like to continue. Also, if you would like to talk about money in our first session, I am more than happy to support you with that. And so that can be a really skillful response. Um, I think sometimes folks can't, like literally can't afford that price, but other times folks come into therapy just with a preconceived notion and sort of set point around what they think therapy should cost. And it's not even necessarily that they can't afford it, that they couldn't afford to spend that much money on it. It's just that when they first called you, they were kind of thinking, oh, therapy is just $50 a session. And then when you say $250, they're like, oh, I just, I can't, their kind of knee-jerk reaction is I can't afford that. When the reality may very well be that they could afford it, it's just that they were thinking they were going to get $50 therapy and they could they could potentially get $50 therapy but they just may not get that from you and they may ultimately decide that they would rather work with you and devote more of their their income or their revenue towards therapy than they had initially planned we're not trying to convince people or be manipulative here but i just want you to understand that sometimes when people say i can't afford it what they're actually saying is I had already decided that this was just going to cost me $50 a week. And it's not your job as the business owner and the practitioner to make it work for them, essentially. It's not your job to change your business model because this person thought that therapy should just be $50 because that's the precedent that's been set in our industry for so long because therapists have been undercharging and overworking. And that is the whole reason why you are listening to this podcast because that is a problem and it doesn't work. So it's not your job to twist yourself into a pretzel shape in order to accommodate this person. Now, if you do have a sliding scale, what I would suggest is you can use your first session to determine whether or not that person qualifies for your sliding scale, whether or not they meet the criteria. Because once again, I think we've all been there where we have agreed to have someone on a sliding scale and then One or two sessions in, we discover some information and we're like, oh my gosh, had I known this, I would have never agreed to having this person on my sliding scale. And again, I think when we have that initial call with clients, so often we're just trying to do too much. We're trying to learn their whole history. We're trying to do super extensive intake. We're trying to do a sales call. (laughs) We're trying to figure out if, if they meet the criteria for a sliding scale, like all these different things. It's honestly just too much to do in a call with somebody who hasn't made any sort of a commitment yet. Um, And it's honestly too much to do for free. Your time is too valuable, (laughs) to be honest. So I'd rather have you do that in that initial call. And I would also love you to think about what is the criteria for your sliding scale if you are going to have one. And does does a sliding scale you have make sense for your business and for what you'd like to be making overall in your business? And if you're like, huh, what? How would I even know that? Go to the link in the show notes for this and get the Bad Therapist Magic Sheets. This is a tool that is going to help you determine whether or not um, your sliding scale makes sense, whether or not your fee makes sense for what you would like to earn. So, check that out. It's totally free, super, super powerful and useful. Another thing that can come up is insurance. So, someone may say, Well, do you take insurance? And this is what I would say No, I don't take insurance, though you can pay with an HSA or FSA. Or you could get reimbursed through your insurance in some cases. Uh, You would need to check with your insurance provider to make sure that they cover out-of-network therapy. And generally, you know, insurance providers are only going to cover therapy if you have a diagnosis. I typically don't diagnose people, at least for a few sessions, because I really like to get to know you, and I see diagnosis as also. A sort of collaborative process. It is something that we would look at together. So I'm not quick to diagnose. That means that you would have to be able and willing to pay out of pocket for your insurance for at least several sessions um, and understand that you may or may not get reimbursed for that. So that is my approach to that. You may be a practitioner who is very quick to diagnose and that feels really great for you and you've had a lot of experience with that. So by all means, like that may not be an issue for you you may be a provider who takes insurance, in in which case you're just telling this person which insurances you take or not, right? So this could be very straightforward for you depending on what you are doing in your business. There's also this really cool uh, plugin app support for therapists. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it's called Mentaya. And it's this tool that helps you, your clients, and you figure out what portion Uh, of their therapy is going to get covered by their insurance for out-of-network providers. It is a really, really rad tool called Mentai. You can check it out. And the link for that is also in the show notes. So if you aren't taking insurance, if you're not like an insurance provider, you're not paneled, but you do want to allow clients to use their insurance with you, this is a tool that can actually make that so much easier. Okay, so that's the insurance question. Next thing that can come up is timer day. So they're like, oh, I don't know if those times work for me. And this came up for me a lot because I had very limited hours. I only saw clients Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. My earliest appointment was at 9.30. My last appointment started generally at 4.30. Sometimes I would have a 5.30 client. So it was pretty limited. And I would usually also take off like an hour to two hours in the middle of the day. So I didn't have any of those evening hours that like, everybody wants. And so I would often have people say like, well, and I'd have weird ass times. I'd be like, I have Tuesday at 11 and people be like, what? I can't come see you Tuesday at 11. I'm like, well, so here's what I would say to those folks. I would say, I hear you. And many of my clients have said the same thing. And what they've ended up doing is they've come up with a lot of creative solutions. Sometimes they've asked to work from home for the day. That way they can come in for an hour and see me, or they will do teletherapy with me. Um, sometimes they'll tell their job that they have a standing weekly medical appointment and they'll let them come in for that. And I totally understand if the times I have available don't work for you if it's not possible, but these are the times that I can offer. And so obviously if you, (laughs) that came from before pandemic times, before everybody was doing virtual kind of all the time, but way back then I was already doing a lot of teletherapy with clients and that's something I would offer them. I would say, yeah, we can actually meet virtually. If getting here in person during that time doesn't work for you, we can totally meet virtually. And I think if I had recorded this podcast episode before the the pandemic, people would probably be like, oh, but I can't do teletherapy. But by now, pretty much all of us know that we can and know that it can be effective. So I'm just going to assume that you're not terrified of teletherapy anymore. And you could totally offer this to somebody, even if currently you're doing the bulk of your work in person. So I found that can be really helpful. It's like, oh yeah, I hear you. You're not sure if this time works for you. You think it doesn't, but I just want to let you know I've had so many clients who have felt the exact same way and they have figured out solutions. So once again, you are welcome to come in for that initial session and we can totally workshop strategies for how you can make this work for your schedule. However, these are the times that I do have available. Finally, the last one that I want to talk about is just straight up ambival- ambivalence. If the person's like, I just, I'm not sure. I don't know if I want to do this. Once again, I would keep it really, really simple. That makes sense. Finding a therapist is kind of like dating. Right now we've just had a short phone call, and in our first session, we'll both get to see what it feels like to be in the same room together and if it feels like a good enough fit for us to move forward. So would you like to come in for that initial session and see how it feels? So once again, I am all in all of these examples and basically being very clear, very straightforward, not really wavering at all from what I'm offering. And I'm just helping the client reorient to like, I hear you and these are your options. I'm not saying I hear you and, oh, you want something that's off menu? Let me go run to the grocery store and buy a whole new set of ingredients and create a whole new recipe and then make something new on the fly because I'm terrified that you'll say no. Uh Uh-uh. That is not what we do. That is a recipe for like a chaotic, very unsustainable practice, which is how most of us do it. And if you are in that place right now, it's okay. We have all been there. And again, that is why you are listening to this. All right. So this is probably an episode that you're going to want to come back to and listen to again and again. Go share it with your friends. I know they need to hear it too, but you can go to my website and also read my whole blog about how to do intake calls because I know you may have been listening to this and like trying to frantically scribble notes. (laughs) I I probably should have said at the top that you don't need to do that. (laughs) Sorry but you can go to my website and read the blog and get all the information and instructions on how to do this. That way it's very handy for you. Um, So we'll make sure that that link is also in the show notes. And yeah, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that this walkthrough has completely shifted how you think about your client onboarding process. I know that this approach is going to save you so much time, and it's actually going to help your clients feel so much more contained and held right from the very start, and it's going to result in so many more yeses. I cannot tell you how effective this strategy is. Make sure to tune in. Next week, I'll be kicking off my therapist CEO series with a surprise guest, and I am so excited for you to hear from her. I would love to hear your thoughts on this podcast, on this episode. So please leave a review and a five star rating if you found this helpful. And come say hi to me on Instagram. I'm at the bad therapist. That's at the underscore bad underscore therapist. Thanks so much. That's all today for the Bad Therapist Show. Thanks so much for hanging with me. I hope you got some gems that you can start using right away in your own business so that you can break out of good therapist conditioning and build the business that you want. If you've gotten something out of this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with one of your good therapist friends who really needs to hear it. And while you're at it, please consider leaving a rating and or review so that we can change not just our individual businesses, but transform the mental health system that got us here in the first place. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week for more private practice and coaching tips. Remember, bad therapists make the best therapists.